Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Matt Mitchell, the running editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay. On tap today is my conversation with Anthony Costales, who sat down with me shortly after his record-setting run at the Black Canyon 100K down in Arizona a few weeks ago. We spent some time recapping the race, including a deep dive into what he changed preparation-wise after placing fifth there last year, before jumping around in time a bit to talk about running at Chico State in college, where he gets his competitive drive from, how he's approaching Western States later this year, and a whole lot more. But before I bring Anthony on, I want to take a minute to tell you guys about Blister's partnership with Spot Insurance. Injuries are definitely not the first thing that comes to mind when we think about our favorite outdoor sports, but as many of you know, perhaps some all too well, they happen from time to time. And even if you have standard insurance, the cost of your deductible and often a number of hidden fees means you're likely to get stuck with quite a hefty bill for any trip to the ER or hospital visit. That's where Spot comes in. With a Blister Plus Spot membership, you get injury insurance that covers everything from trail running to backcountry skiing to mountain biking and more. All that in addition to the benefits of being a Blister member. For more info, make sure to click on the link in the show notes. I remember just a few years ago when I bailed off my mountain bike and ended up cracking a few ribs. But because I was on a student budget at the time, I didn't want to get myself checked out at the hospital. I ended up healing just fine after taking a couple down weeks, but I think in retrospect, not getting seen by a doctor could have led to some pretty nasty complications. And I think if I had spot insurance, having a friend drive me to the ER would have been a complete no-brainer. All right. And finally, I also just want to remind you guys to leave us a rating or review after this conversation wraps up. Little things like that really help us continue to put out new episodes of the podcast each week. Okay, let's get right into my chat with Anthony. Anthony, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? So you are what, about a week and a half post Black Canyon 100K? Yeah, about a week and a half and uh, everything seems to be starting to finally feel good. So yeah. Yeah. Take me through uh, the recovery process. What's that look like for you? Um, it was pretty pretty light this time. It's nice that like there's nothing for sure on the schedule like right away. Um, and there's some ideas I have, but even within those, um, nothing I need to get to immediately. So it's yeah, it was like pretty much a complete nice week off of everything, and then uh, this last week just did like a little shakeout with my dog on like a snowy path and. Still a little tight or still a little beat up in a couple spots. And uh, yeah, I did like my first, first like light strength training workout today. So yeah, it's uh, hasn't been too bad. Honestly, the things I was worse, the worst was probably uh, dealing with a bunch of blisters is uh, what I would say more than anything. Yeah. In that heat, you just like sweat so much and then the sweat leads to more chafing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you've been racing ultras at a, super competitive level for a handful of years now have you kind of like dialed in a recovery process that works well for you um i mean i try to do it like m- most of my races uh no matter what the distance is usually i like to get usually like a light shakeout run like once or twice within the first week 
it doesn't always happen, but usually by the time it becomes a full week, full week after, I'm like, okay, you need to, you need to shake something out or else it might actually sometimes I feel like be worse later on down the road when you start going again. Yeah. You just kind of just try and like stay off your feet and eat well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Eat well, get some extra rest. Um, Just a lot of like recovery tools, like rolling out, maybe like a Theragun type thing and uh, do some mobility. But for the running part, yeah, just kind of stay off of that for a little bit. I know you've got a pretty like extensive road racing background is recovering from like a marathon more difficult than like a hundred K. I personally think so just because uh, you're just hitting the same muscle the entire time during that 26 miles. And it's a, just a pretty, such a more intense pace. I think uh, as soon as you get back after that recovery, it's just is a little bit worse and it just kind of, you really just like put your body through a lot in terms of uh, intensity for that long where this one, like it was a longer day out there and there's a lot more harder terrain, not saying the races harder, easier, but uh, yeah, just um, there's so many twists and turns. I feel like you recover faster out of, after it. And I've noticed that a lot in uh, most of my desert races I've done is uh, they seem to be the ones that I recover and bounce back from the fastest from between road, ultra mountain, whatever it is. Desert ones seem to be pretty quick. Yeah, like those those races in Moab, you kind of started your trail career running. Yeah, um, actually, I mean, I've, my best marathon comes within four weeks of uh, doing a trail marathon out there. Really? Yeah, so, and, and I've done it, and I did it twice too, so it wasn't a fluke, I guess. But um, yeah, I guess it's just something different just because uh, everything changes so much um, throughout the whole race, and you're not beating up any one certain area so bad that uh i think if you want to you could get back from it pretty quick last year after canyons actually i had a or sorry not canyons last year after black canyon i actually did a pretty quick turnaround and uh did um chuck a nut and i pretty much took less than a week off and got rolling right back into it so kind of done it before but this time there's just no need to (laughs) is there anything you do like in terms of mental recovery because i have to imagine both like running a you know 213 marathon and a super fast 100k just is really taxing from like a cognitive standpoint um no i can't say of anything too in particular that i do mentally just kind of more just be happy to relax a little bit and i think like the mental thing is like the hardest for me is the taper going into the race um almost more than the race itself and the training before it just because I felt like you just second guess yourself so much during this small couple week time period where you're not doing that much and the race is coming up. That's the one that kind of, I feel like I mentally got to get a little bit stronger at sometimes. Taper tantrums. Yeah. Taper tantrums, man. They're, uh, they're real. <laughs> Does that kind of lead you to have a more of an abrupt taper or, or do you take that pretty seriously? Uh, I take it pretty seriously. I, I, I mean, it's one of those things I, I know it's, I'm doing the right thing. It's just like, Every single time you do it, because it's been a while. I mean, most of the time it's been quite a bit of time. You're just like, is this right? Was it, was it 10 days or was it, you know, 12 days that I took off last time? And then you start thinking about when your last long run was or, and then you're doing a 60 mile race, but you haven't done anything over 20 miles in two weeks or three weeks. And it's just kind of mentally a little stressful, I guess. Yeah. That number starts to grow. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I know, I think last time 
I uh, I kind of checked on you. You were uh, self-coached, right? Yeah, still self-coached. Okay. Okay. What's that process been like for you? Um, I After call, I mean, I was coached by Gary Town up in Chico State, was uh, the last coach I had. And then once I got into the marathon training, he uh, kind of advised me for a little bit and just kind of, he didn't have time to just put ever his his time into me which i totally got and uh so he just kind of advised me through the marathon and kind of got away with it and after that i just kind of wanted to give him his time and not bug him too much um even though i know he would have if i asked him to and uh and i just felt like i was getting away with it knew myself well enough knew like my work schedule when i needed to back off even if the miles didn't quite seem right on paper i just knew like um physically for myself when it was a good time to go up and down and yeah, I've kind of just stayed the same. I mean, so I've thought about getting to coach at uh, different periods. Uh, mostly most, most of the reason is just so somebody could just tell me the workouts and I don't got to think about them is the main idea. But then part of me likes to have a little bit of that control. Part of me likes to know that if something's going wrong that day during a workout, I'm okay with changing it and not like letting a coach down, which uh, I think I'd be a little bit scared of um while having a coach but yeah it's uh it's been good but definitely have tapered with or thought thought of the idea of um getting a getting a coach at times it seems to be working out pretty well for you man yeah yeah it does but you never know if it could be better kind of thing totally yeah you mentioned uh running collegiately at chico um i kind of wanted to talk a bit more about your background because i i think Mm -hmm. it's pretty interesting coming from from the roads uh Tell me about like how you started running competitively. Um, I mean, competitively, it's I guess it could go back to like junior high. Just a race was a race, and didn't matter if it was like a mile in PE or an actual meet after school that we were doing. That was pretty low key. It's just really always being competitive and trying to be in the front and trying to win races. I guess since I was a uh, pretty young, so I guess that competitive nature has always been there, and then. Just had a really good uh, string of coaches that have uh, brought that competitiveness out. Um, taught me a lot about the sport of just like the physiological part of running. And um, just uh, every coach has been a little bit different approach. And uh, I think like all of them together have been pretty great for me, like as as a whole. Because I've had, th- I've had three, um, high school, junior college, and uh, at Chico State. Are there any kind of commonalities across those three coaches um you know what not really is what's kind of funny they're they're all different one of them was like a big motivator um the other one was like one that would make you do things that seem kind of stupid on paper but would just like really just teach you how to like get gritty in the moment um and then my last one was just really knew the science behind it all more than i think of the of the three knew the science of it more than anything and taught me like that aspect of it a lot so yeah all three quite a bit different but uh all really good coaches <laughs> well i feel like that's reflected in like this you know your success racing on trails from you know sub ultra distances to to 100 milers as well as on the road so it, it makes sense it all kind of adds up yeah yeah cool um so how'd you end up at uh chico state and what was that program like because i know they've produced a a handful of of really talented trail runners in the past yeah um got to chico state i kind of knew i was going to junior college uh, after high school my high school coach which kind of took his word for a lot of things 
kind of put the idea of Chico in me pretty early and I just kind of stuck with it. So I went to American River Junior College. Um, Gus Gibbs is maybe a maybe a name that a lot of people know in the trail world that uh, we were teammates out there. And uh, right right outside of what's funny, Western States course and by Auburn, we'll do those trails sometimes. But yeah, we ended up, uh, I ended up over there and then just kind of needed to do my two years. Um, got even quite a bit better um, through those two years and headed up uh, another hour and a half north to Chico and yeah, Gary was just a, just such a super chill dude that um, really made me look forward to the program. Bidwell Park was awesome. Um, it was like, I wouldn't call it trail running. It was more just a very nice uh, dirt path that we got to run on uh, daily to keep us recovered. But we would do some kind of like pretty legit trail run uh, every weekend, which I think is where a lot of these Chico State trail runners are coming from. Yeah. So I know Tim Tollefson went there, correct? Mm, yeah. Who, and, who else has come out of that program? Uh, Jimmy Elam is right. uh, the other one. Um, we have a handful of other that have kind of dabbled in it as well. But I think those are the those are three that you'd probably know the most. Um, but yeah, there's some that I'm surprised like didn't quite get into it too. <laughs> yeah. I know Jimmy is also uh, based out of Utah. Uh, do you get a chance to train with him much? Yeah, he's probably the person I train with the most. We don't train a crazy amount together. It's like we'll get on a roll and we'll go like a month where we're seeing each other like once a week or a couple months where we're seeing each other once a week and then we won't see each other for like four months. And then and then we'll get back on that roll. It's just a kind of a schedule thing, work schedule. And, and then uh, between work and uh, what we're training for kind of changes up a lot of a lot too. Our training is quite a bit different as well, but uh, we like to get out there as much as we can together and just enjoy some good times. What do you do for work? Um, a teacher at a junior high. Do like a PE, um, a little bit of like an advisory thing where I um, help out. A, I'm trying to think of it. It's like a, the kids that support like positive messages in our school. It's like called ambassadors and then um, a fitness class and do some coaching. Uh, coach some other uh, after school programs as well. That's awesome. Did you kind of know you were headed in that direction while you were at Chico? Uh, yeah, I knew PE teacher was like kind of like a idea of it. Um, really more coaching. I think kind of more thought I was going to end up being like a like a cross country like like collegiate coach was like kind of more my thought. But uh, did a little bit of did an assistant coach with Gary, and then kind of just wanted to get work experience, so um, got into the um, teaching pretty quick and knows I just kind of like that, like the time availability a lot more as well. Um, junior high is fun because you get to still coach a little bit, but it's not so serious that it's kind of like that and nothing else, which, uh, seems to be a lot for coaches, uh, that want to do it right. So it's kind of a good happy medium to kind of do my own thing, but still do the, um, um, teaching and coaching as well. Could you see yourself kind of getting more involved in coaching further down the road? Uh, I do and I don't. I'm not sure. I really enjoy my weekends and weekends with family. So that'd be the hard part. Um, but I'm not sure. I'd, it'd have to kind of all, lot, lot to line up. Uh, I mean, the other thing with coaching is you kind of don't know where you're going to be, um, especially collegiate. Like uh, there's some people like Gary that could be at Chico State and their whole career. Um, and there's other coaches that – you know, once their four-year contract's up, like they might get the boot and have to figure out a whole new state they're going to be at. And it's uh, definitely an 
got a little bit of a stressful job probably. Yeah, talking to uh, Alex Nichols, who coaches yeah. at Colorado College, he was like, yeah, man, it's exhausting, but like super rewarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so how have you been balancing kind of your training load with like teaching physical education and, and stuff like that? Because I have to imagine that's a pretty active job, right? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, the teaching part is pretty good because like I kind of know exactly the hours. I'm not going to get like a bunch of emails like late at night that I'm needing to go to, which is the good part about it um the hard part which some people think is uh with being a PE teacher you're on your feet almost the entire time of the day sometimes I could be outside once uh, spring comes I'll be outside for like six six plus hours a day in the sun but I don't know I, sometimes me I just think it kind of helps out uh sometimes I start tracking how much time on feet I'm having during the day and then uh during a certain block it's like I try to put more time on feet and then once I'm maybe tapering I'll try to plan a couple lesson plans where I get to maybe sit down on the chair and lean somewhere, lean somewhere uh, throughout that day to rest up the legs a little bit. I think over time, it can definitely help with like ultra running. I, I talked to, man, I forget who it was, um, but he essentially said like the best job you can get is working at like a grocery store because you're yeah. on your feet all the time and you just like build that foot strength. You know, when I was a, a student teacher and I was just getting into the teaching, I was doing student teaching. I was co- coaching with Gary and I was still running. And I remember the time on feet part was like, I, it was getting, it was getting to me bad. I was like, man, I'm just so exhausted. And I remember we did like one unit where basically we didn't have like a 10 minute break every hour and we just had to stand like the whole day. And it was funny how much that little 10 minute break every hour, like made a huge difference. And like, just in how exhausted I was like by the end of the day. Yeah. Who would have thought, you yeah, know, really standing is, can be incredibly tiring. So take me back to, um, I guess like shortly after college, what did running look like for you? Um, shortly after college, I, I did that teaching credential thing and I uh, did a year with, uh, Gary as assistant coach. And then once I got the credential, um, my wife, my now wife, uh, was actually already working in Utah and, Came out, checked it out, and loved it immediately. And uh, was fortunate enough to get a job right away. So got here, and we didn't really know or think we we're going to be here that long. But I've kind of got a pretty good foothold here, and enjoyed being here a lot. And uh, um, yeah, it was uh, definitely a little bit different learning how to do a real big boy job or <laughs> real, real job, you know, and also balance. Um, marathon training is what it was at the time but uh i think that just kind of doing that teaching credential and some of the stuff before kind of showed that i could do it so it wasn't too big of a deal but it definitely at times was like is this worth it or am i putting enough in uh, should i be putting this much time into it because it was quite exhausting but no i've always just kind of figured it out and how did you kind of make the jump to uh trail running from the roads um uh, it's a lot of it is Utah or uh, Salt yeah. Lake just because it's in your face and there's a lot more people that just do the trail races out here like we would run on the trails in Chico but we wouldn't so much there wasn't really many trail races going on in the area that we really at least knew of where here a lot of people you're running with uh, start telling you about some of the different events they're doing and you start learning a little bit more about sport and kind of want to jump in uh, and then all the desert races uh, that we have near us are pretty fun and uh, some of the more competitive ones as well. So gave me a reason to kind of 
jump in kind of in the middle of like uh, my road running career and uh, do some trails, not quite ultra stuff, but trail stuff uh, as well. When did you realize that like, okay, this is where I should be like investing all of my energy? Uh, the marathon, the marathon gets exhausting and doing the same thing every spring and fall. And uh, that's what I kind of noticed. Uh, and that's why I completely made the jump over to trails just because there's something even if you're doing a, the same distance, it's something different. Each time it's a different train, different. It's a completely different race most of the time. And I think that's uh, what got me most interested in kind of going all in. I loved marathon training, loved uh, doing the marathon, but I didn't like as soon as I was done with one, just completely just hamster wheel right back into the same thing over and over. I actually took a decent break from the marathon in the middle. Like uh, I took like an 18 months like of not doing one just because of the that reason it actually kind of i think helped me grow a lot in the event um but then yeah just absolutely enjoyed it more and more and uh dug in dug into it would you ever go back i always say i plan on going back but for uh cim california international marathon and that only because that's uh my home race that's where the first road race i ever did did rate relays when i was 14 years old it's not just it's a fast, it's a place where people run fast and the Olympic trial qualifiers to me. It's just, it's a race that actually like, means something to me. Um, and I've been on the edge of maybe almost winning it a couple of times and that's been stuck in my head. And I, I'd like to give it one more shot before uh, I think that's out of, out of my reach. <laughs> before we get all slow. Yeah. And uh, like you ran a 213 there, right? Is that still your PR? Yeah, I ran a 213 in 2007, uh, 2017 and then 2018 as well. It's so fast. It's so yeah. cool to see like that type of leg speed translating to like success on the trails. I think it's like really good for our sport. Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, so when you did kind of end up stepping up in distance, what were some of like the, I guess, your first stumbling blocks? Like, was it difficult to like learn how to eat for like seven hours um north face 50 i went in i think that was the one that i just went in unprepared in terms of training um that was like a more i thought i had enough like lifetime miles in me to get away with the injury that i had leading into it i wasn't putting in that many miles but i was really fit aerobically like through uh, cross training and that was just like a, a showing of like yeah your engine was there everything was totally fine through 38 42 miles or leading up to 38, 42 miles and then muscle damage of just not having the miles behind you caught up to me. I also think I, I don't, I also think there was like a shoe mistake I made in that race. And maybe, uh, I think I might've took too much salt was, uh, maybe the other thing, but, uh, it's one of those things, like, I'm not sure which of the three it really was, or maybe it was all three of them that day. So that was, that was, uh, my big stumble race. Uh, uh, there's been a couple other races that I've like, I think a biggest other stumble was uh, kind of letting up the last uh, descent of a race before and then kind of getting caught thinking like the race was kind of over, even though it wasn't like that's probably one of the other big learning experiences. Yeah, there's not too many like hundred meter finishes. Yeah, in ultras, you know, but it happens. But <laughs> it does I guess happen. I, two mile finishes, I guess, feels yeah, like a hundred yeah, yeah. uh, feels like a hundred meter finish. I'm so bummed that they kind of discontinued uh tnf 50 because that was like my hometown race and yeah. i go out every year and and support friends and it's just like 
oh man it used to be like the best kind of like capstone to the year right it was like happened in i think like december had this huge prize purse and was mm-hmm. like the last final party before everyone took an off season so we got to bring that back I, I was really bummed i did i was in 2019 i did it and i was thinking that right after the race i was like man if i just make a couple different mistakes i think i can nail this one and uh and then I looked and I was like, yep, we're, we're all done. This, this is the yeah. last one ever. I'm like, oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. Let's uh, transition into some uh, Black Canyon talk. Um, take me through that day and kind of like, I guess, before that, your your approach to it. Um, I know you ran the race last year and, and came in fifth. Um, what was your mindset uh, this time around? Uh, I mean, main mindset was you're here to just go compete with this deep field. Um and that was kind of uh, make sure that you're making right moves, make sure that you're kind of keeping tabs on everybody where they're moving. Um, Cause that was one of the big mistakes last year I felt like I made. And then just a lot of the little bit of heat, heat stuff that I kind of, that got to my head the year before I kind of changed some things up and added a little bit more water on, on some of my outings on after some of the cruise stations. But yeah, I mean, more than anything, it was a, uh, let's get dialed into a really competitive race and have fun being competitive. Yeah. I mean, that was like probably arguably, I guess like the m- deepest field of that race ever, which was really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I definitely was very deep. I think that's uh, I think we've had like years where like the top three or five have been like really good, but I don't know about the top 30. Like it was, it felt like that day. Yeah. I know. I think that like what, three to four men all ran under the CR, the previous CR. Yeah. Top three all ran under course record. And then um, Cole was pretty, he was kind of sniffing it. So he was uh, definitely a probably top five before that day, a top five. What did you change uh, about your training, uh, you know, within the last year uh, this time around? For the last year, I wouldn't say I changed up too much for the block. I should say, yeah, let me clarify for Black Canyon. For the Black Canyon block, the main thing that I did different was I took advantage of being near a desert um, in Utah. And I did my three biggest like kind of weekends. I traveled out to St. George two times to go get on Desert Trail and then Moab for a tune-up race, uh, um, the Arches 50K. I think that was probably the biggest thing that I didn't do last year that I could have took advantage of, thought about it thought I didn't need it because I'd run so many desert races. I just would be like riding a bike, but more than anything, the muscles just kind of weren't ready for it. So that's what I definitely put an emphasis on. And then, um, just, uh, I didn't know if it was going to be seven, a nice 70 degrees, like it was, or if it was going to be 85 or 87, like it was last year. So I did some, uh, treadmill training where I put some heaters, uh, propane heaters in front of me and I did my long runs like the last 45 minutes to an hour when I was at home, I would do that. Um, and I'd crank it up to like about 80 to 90 degrees. How many, how many times did you do that a week? All the long runs that I did at home leading up to it, I did that. And then probably once or twice a week, I would, uh, just hop on there for any, it's sometimes only 20 minutes, but like, uh, 30 to 40 minutes, I would just hop on there for like a quick run. Did you kind of tweak your nutrition at all or have you kind of landed on something that works for you? Um, nutrition is usually pretty good. The only time I've ever had a nutrition problem was uh, Lavarado this past summer. Just for some reason, liquid calories just weren't going down. I'm not sure what it was. 
and I even used a lot of the same stuff I used um, at Black Canyon that I used at Labrador. I think it was just a kind of an off day. And uh, so my nutrition's just usually been pretty strong. I actually <laughs> tried uh, the Goo Roctane mixed drink, and that was the first time I ever had it was that day on race day. I just went with it. I was like, I should be fine if I don't like it or something seems wrong. I just won't take it for the rest of the day. And it seemed to work pretty well. Yeah, I, that's what I use for most of my training. And it's, uh, yeah, it goes down easy and it it definitely lights you up. Mm-hmm. I actually added a, a weird one at Black Cannon. I, uh, I, between each crew station, I ate a lemon pound cake. Um, was uh, just some real food, got some real food into me. And it actually, I, I just found out like uh, kind of on accident earlier in the training block, I saw it. And uh, it's a big, uh, bang for your buck kind of calories and carbs and it's not too hard to take down so that was kind of the new fun one to try yeah it's also i'm sure incredibly affordable yeah incredibly affordable <laughs> do you think that'll be a staple in your uh your race bag i think it will i mean it's just, it was just really easy uh more than anything uh, again going back to La- labrado i got i took a pow- a pro bar was like one of the real foods I brought. And I remember taking it and it was really cold out. Like when I had it, I started to chew it. I'm like, this was a terrible idea. I'm like, how do I think I'm going to be able to eat this while running? Like this was, this was a stupid idea. And, um, and then, but that lemon pound bar, like, or a pound cake, yeah, it's, uh, it's just like, just easy enough to chew and swallow real quick that I think it's just nice to have like real food every once in a while. Totally. Like, I think I've gotten to a point where I just like, I see a gel and I gag. Yeah, especially like deep into a race or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, I think that's a good takeaway is like get creative with the type of snacks you have. Go to like a 7-Eleven and, and load up on like Hostess products. If yep. It works for you. It works. Yeah, you don't have to eat it every day. <laughs> just, <laughs> right, just, right. <laughs> just 40 miles into a run. <laughs> yeah, you can afford it. <laughs> yeah. So you are like you strike me as someone that is incredibly competitive. And I'm curious about your a strategy going into the race um what what did that look like uh i mean i don't do too many deep dives on like the athletes and what they're doing the only ones i really kind of dug into like strava stock i guess like is what you would say is i'm curious like what terrain have they been on that was the only thing that really interested me i didn't really care like how many miles how much they were putting in a week to me, it was like, where are you training and what type of environment? Mostly because uh, last year, I thought that was such a big thing that kind of messed me up. Um, in terms of like my thoughts, like during the race, it's it's kind of just like being proactive on thinking of every move that's going to come up next. or And when something is good going your way, taking advantage of it a little bit. I think that's what I did a lot this last race. I saw things were starting to slide my way after Black Canyon and I could have thought, oh, let's take it back a little bit and be conservative because we don't want to blow up the second half of the race. But in my mind, I'm like, I might not feel this good for the rest of the race. So let's just take advantage of it and you might make some other people feel worse behind you. So let's go for it kind of kind of deal. So taking advantage of uh, certain moments when they're in your hand is a big thing I'd suggest. It looks like you and, and Tom Evans were kind of duking it out for most of the race. Um, we we were. Uh, we were only like kind of side by side with each other for probably two, three miles. But we were within like three minutes of each other, which is 
not that far for like almost the last 20 miles. So like every once in a while, like I had a pretty good gap on him and I'd finally get a sneak peek where he was at, not knowing exactly how far, but knowing he didn't, he hasn't given up or anything like that, or he was totally out of it. So he just had the pressure on me for such a long time and made it just such a really gritty race, like the whole way. And which was so awesome to be a part of. Do you kind of like getting like chased like that? Uh, you do until you get caught. <laughs> so if you get caught, it could be, it could uh, go to your head pretty bad. But, uh, um, I liked it because I knew I was, I, I knew I was feeling good where I, I felt like if he did catch me, I could have a little bit of a respond. I didn't feel like, uh, Oh man, I'm feeling really bad. And he's right behind me. Like, how am I going to keep him off? It was more like, Oh man, he's right there, but I'm feeling good. So let's keep the pressure on and see if we get a little bit more of a gap. But uh, that never really happened. But at the same time, my legs never really felt shot either. So it was just like, I guess, a good overall day for myself, though. What's your kind of like triage situation when you enter like an aid station at a race like that? Like, what's your kind of checklist of things? Um, switch out gel, switch out bottles, switch out. Uh, I use um, um, reusable flasks for goose. So I switch those out. Um, and then it's all, always like little things that I feel like we forget, like, oh, I don't want sunglasses in the first part of the race. And then I forget to get them at that aid station. But uh, my wife, Katie, who cruised me, uh, did an excellent job and we didn't miss anything this time, which doesn't always happen, which uh, was pretty cool. It's definitely our best transitions. I feel like earlier in the race, it's, it's a little more stressful where it's like, we need to get out of here as fast as we can because we're all together and breaks are going to happen, which actually as much as 15 seconds doesn't seem like a big deal. It's just a big break can happen early in the race. And like, you can mentally just be in a bad spot. I think, uh, as the race goes on later in the eight stations, I feel like I get a little bit more relaxed and take my time to make sure I'm getting what I need just because the race is a little bit more spread out and you're in more need of things at that time. Did you sit down at all? I know some people are like, if I sit down, my race is pretty much over. You know, I had a knee that was bothering me, just a little bit of tendonitis before the race. And it was feeling fine the day of the race. And uh, the last uh, at Table Mesa, I did like a couple squats just to kind of check it out. But that was like the only thing I really did that was close to sitting down. I just wanted to see if that thing was going okay. And it was totally fine and still is fine, which is good. But no, didn't didn't take any, um, didn't sit down at all. Did you kind of know the CR was was up for grabs? Were people telling you that you were like substantially ahead of it? Uh, after Table Mesa, um, one of my friends was pretty much kind of put it out there that a bunch of us were growing under eight hours. I had no idea where we were at within, within it. I didn't know if we were almost on it. All of us were going to be eight or 750. Um, it wasn't until right before like the last little climb after table Mesa coming near the finish, I kind of took a peek at my watch and knew about how many miles I knew I had about five miles left. And I looked at the watch and I was like, Oh, we're, (laughs) we're running real fast. So I didn't, I didn't think it almost didn't make sense a little bit and thought maybe stop the watch or something like that. But I also knew like the weather was really good. The competition was good and we didn't really make any mistakes or, didn't there was never a point where it was like got tactical either so i knew like it was just a really fast race we were doing that day yeah i mean you took down a a sage canada acr 
mm-hmm. from 2016 by like 20 minutes. It's got to feel pretty good. Yeah, it, it's pretty cool, especially because uh, the first trail race I did, one of those Moab uh, marathons was in 2016 and it was against Sage and I saw like a actually really cool performance from him that day. So it's kind of cool to kind of match something when he was running, when I just know he was running like really out of his mind then. Yeah. 2016 Sage candidate was like 2018 LeBron James, (laughs) (laughs) just like super dominant. That guy was so fast that year. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. So you've got Western States up next. Um, are you doing anything in before then? Canyons 50k is kind of on my mind, but uh, training for Western States is going to be more important. So I just got to weigh out the pros and cons of of that right now. If I want to, I mean, it's part of the Western State course, I guess, which is pretty cool, but it's not that much of it. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'd rather go to Canyons, maybe get an extra race in, or if I'd rather just, you know, go to Auburn. Uh, the week after and go get a bunch of training runs in on the course. So I just got to weigh out uh, what the schedule kind of looks like on that part, but Canyons 50 K because it, it's starting to become less competitive, but it was looking very stacked for a little bit. Yeah. I know you got a golden ticket in 2021, um, but you didn't end up running Western States. What happened there? Um, That was after Canyons hundred K there's only nine weeks between it. Uh, I got a little aggressive uh, the week after the race and probably ran two extra miles than I should have, um, for a long run, um, that next Sunday, she probably shouldn't have been doing much of a long run at all, but you get a little stressed cause there's only nine weeks till the race already. And, uh, yeah, I just tweaked something in my knee and it didn't go away for almost three weeks. It wasn't that long of an injury, but you had on tapering for canyons a week off after canyons three weeks of not really running that much. Like it's, uh, it's a lot more time than it sounds like. And then yeah, then tapering for Western States, it just didn't really make sense to me to go try to force something that I didn't want to go force my force, force my first hundred mile race, especially in that competitive race uh, for my first one. So I just pulled the plug on it, which I ultimately am happy about that decision. Yeah. Have you kind of started to think more about, how you want to approach this year's Western States from a training perspective. I imagine you'll probably include more uh, super hot treadmill runs. Yeah. Uh, it, it's well, I mean, it's nice to do the hot treadmill runs now when it's 20 degrees outside, it almost feels refreshing for the first part. And then it, then it gets measurable. Now it just is going to be measurable going into more measurables. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll probably implement that just because it is a good training tool, even though it kind of sucks. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of friends that have done it out here. I'll talk to Lee Ling Yang and get some tips from her on uh, since she's very knowledgeable about the course and kind of what to do. Um, and yeah, definitely make some adjustments, but I don't have anything to set up yet. I just signed up for the race today. So, oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I definitely talked to Leah. I, uh, I had a chance to pace her for like 15 miles last year. Oh, did you? Like the way she like moves through aid stations and like has her crew dialed is just like clinical. Yeah. We always laugh because I- I've gotten better through the years, but like we went to canyons and she had like all like this suitcase full of stuff. And I was like, I- I'm so unprepared right now. I have no idea what I'm doing. And uh, she always kind of makes fun of me still for like, she's like, you've grown up a lot since uh canyons hundred K. And I'm like, I'm like a little bit, but we're, I was just a little unprepared that day, I guess. Yeah. 
Um, so you made your hundred mile debut last year, right? At uh, Run Rabbit Run, or was uh, that in twenty twenty one? Twenty twenty one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What was your first hundred mile experience like? What were some takeaways? Uh, it was interesting running completely through the night. Um, that race starts at noon, so you get a full di- full night of running. Um, that was a little bit different. I didn't not mind it actually. Like the night part, it didn't bother me at all. Besides, like getting a little bit of my eyesight was a little messed up towards the end of the race, but it's a lot. It it goes by a lot faster than you think. I think uh, you get through the first ten, you're like, this is gonna take so long, and then all of a sudden you realize you're at twenty five, and then I remember when I was at sixty five, I was like, oh man, we're actually pretty far into this. Like, we're, this is real right now, and uh, even though it was a slower, more painful last. 25 miles uh, 75 in uh it still went by pretty quick so i think that's uh, the positive thing that it didn't feel like super long and just the hardest thing i've ever i mean it might have been the hardest thing i ever did but it doesn't like feel much harder than some of the things i've already done in other races yeah everyone i've talked to that's run like western states um specifically is like it goes by so fast yeah i'm i'm sure it does and I think it's like, I, it kind of felt like that way in the marathon though, too. I mean, like sometimes first like five miles would just drag and then all of a sudden like 13 to 22 is like a blink of an eye. And it, I, I don't, I guess like the longer you're out there, just the faster it starts going by towards the second half. I had one kind of last question about a uh, black Canyon 100 K and it was kind of about the, the media coverage. Um, what did you notice uh, different about like, how it was covered at the event in 2022 versus this year, because I feel like every year that race and just trail running in general gets more and more technology, more and more like folks from the media. Um, Yeah. Take me through that. I remember drones being out there at a couple aid stations last year, but like that was about it. I didn't, there was like no like reporters you saw Leah again. Um, And then there, I at least I wasn't part of it. There wasn't like a pre-race in I don't remember like a pre-race panel kind of thing, like a day before post post race. There wasn't like a bunch of media coverage. So yeah, there was, it was definitely a whole lot more than the year before. It was really cool. I mean, it was so professional on like so many things they were doing, like, uh, like the post race, like it wasn't like just stand up and talk to us real quick. Like they had us like in like very nice like uh, sofas out in the middle of the desert with a uh, shade. And it just seemed like really high class for uh, a desert race, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, have you had a chance to watch any of the live stream back? Uh, yeah, my wife was uh, going or watching some of it because she didn't get to watch any of it because she was crewing me. And uh, I didn't watch like obviously uh, the whole thing or anything like that. But I kind of popped in and would watch a couple of things as they were going down and then kind of go back. It was pretty cool. Um, I was just so impressed with like uh, the people in the studio that were just kind of keeping it afloat, keeping us entertained, um, having so much knowledge of the race itself, uh, being kind of funny at moments, which is, uh, I think, always good good as well. Yeah, I think Finn and Corinne and, and Dylan uh, did a great job. I was watching at home and it was uh, a, a fun way to like pass most of my like Saturday, you know. Did you get any comments about um, the Chico State singlet and the the sun hat? <laughs> yeah, that was got, an iconic look. Yeah, I got a, a lot of comments about uh, 
the Chico State. A little, I, I heard a little bit about the Sun Hat. Um, I wore that one last year. Uh, but yeah, the Chico State one, it, it was pretty, it was funny because I didn't have it on the first 20 I or I had it on underneath. I knew it was going to be like probably high 30s, low 40s. So I didn't need a singlet to begin the race. And then um, took it off after Bumblebee, which I kind of feel like a lot of people like got confused, like who I was like in the middle of the race. Uh, not that it really matters that much, but um, media, I guess media coverage, it might've thrown them off a little bit. But yeah, uh, once things were coming out, or once I got my phone after the race, I had like, I was like blown up with a bunch of Chico people, like all excited, like great race, but the jersey was awesome. And uh, that was pretty cool. Like just uh, get a bunch of comments from uh, old Chico folks. Awesome, man. Well, I'm uh, looking forward to following your build up to Western States and I hope to see that that same sun hat toe on the line. <laughs> yeah. Cool. That's it for this edition of Off the Couch. Thanks to Anthony for the conversation. Thanks to Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from everyone here at Blister, please take good care of yourself, keep moving forward, and we'll talk to you again next week.